solution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body outlined and chalk. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the House to House podcast. This is Amadi in here with Ragu. Um, man, it's been a while since we recorded, so you know. It's you probably can, been like a yeah, month. It's been like a month. Summertime is hard to record. It's hard to record in the summertime. Uh, this is the House to House podcast. As always, you can ingest this podcast where podcasts are ingested. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We are no longer on your favorite platform. I know. You put everything on Dive Media. Yeah, so all the episodes are now up on our website, um, divemedia.co. I don't know all the different hyperlinks. This is like slash house to house, blah, blah, blah. If you go to divemedia.co, all the episodes are now live. But if you stream podcasts at anywhere else on all the other platforms, they are available. As always, you can join the conversation on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is house to house podcast group please feel free to jump in there's actually been a couple new folks i think they're some of our guest friends they've been jumping in now and uh you know really stirring the pot a little <laughs> bit so but you know we, we we have a nice calm collective group you know and they kind of jumping in and stirring the pot but we have a special um episode this week um we have a couple special guests um i had the opportunity to um come across this wonderful book earlier this year and i think we've mentioned it on the podcast before called unchurching and uh, it's by Richard Jacobson. And so jumped into the book because it was speaking a lot of the things that the Lord had been saying to us. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last year or so, you know where our hearts are. And from the book, I stumbled into a podcast, the Unchurching podcast, and listened to all of those episodes. And it was super encouraging. And then I did the uh, new new millennial thing, which was to reach out to him on Twitter. <laughs> and said, hey, <laughs> hey, guys, come talk to me, please. And surprisingly, to probably their dismay, I don't know, Gunner reached back to me. <laughs> Gunner reached back to me and said, hey, sure. And so Gunner and I were going back and forth on Twitter for a while, which, which grew into email, which grew into what we have today. So we have Richard Jacobson and Gunner Falk on. Gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourselves to everybody on the podcast? Well, Gunner, you're the fun one. Hey, I'm just going to go first, and I want to give you guys, I don't think I have this true authority, like a Dove Award for best podcast intro music, because I think it really just flows with what you're doing. I, just excellent job there. I've always been impressed when I start playing the episodes. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who did your Who did your theme song? I really liked it. Uh, I did. I actually used to be a Christian <laughs> rapper, so... That mm. is oh, that's you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's actually an album I recorded probably five years ago. The reason I know that is because the Lord kind of pulled me away from that when my youngest was born. Is like kind of like all right, enough of that. <laughs> so <laughs> my my. I mean, I don't know if it's illegal for organic churches to get a Dove Award, but I mean, if, if we're, if we're <laughs> well, you know, God is tearing down walls, Gunner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, my name is Richard Jacobson. I'm the author of uh, Unchurching Christianity Without Churchianity. And uh, we can explain what unchurching means before everybody uh, turns off the podcast. So <laughs> I don't want to trigger anybody with the name. It's it's not what you think it is. <laughs> hey, Rich, yeah. Richard jumping right into those $10 words, man. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why don't you guys give us a little bit of your background? How did you kind of get from 
where you were, wherever that was. Apparently, you believe in Jesus at some point, or you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of got from where you were to where we are. For for those of you who don't know, um, you know, Richard wrote the book Unchurching. It is in in the subtext is Christianity without churchianity. That's what Richard was referencing or, um, just a moment ago. So why don't you kind of go into that and you you guys can both kind of share your journeys because you guys have a couple of great stories I heard on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I hope come up today. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, why yeah. don't you go a little bit into that? Gary, you want to go? Sure. Uh, I unwittingly kind of got into a, a process where my ecclesiology or really the way I studied church in a different way formed. Uh, even when I was young, I ended up living in a house with 17 people as a young teenager. And we would go to like, say, regular church on Sundays. But our daily lives were very different because we were always interacting in community and stuff. And over the years, I, you know, I was, you know, realizing that's radically different than a lot of way the Christians live their life. And by the way, I don't have any like kind of legalistic requirement that you have to live life that way. But I think I ha- might have given me a little bit of a different purview of what the daily aspect of our lives are as about as Christians. And I, so I wasn't like in a situation where I live in like, you know, even like my own house, but in my own neighborhood and I'm far away from other like believers. I was like super close interacting with them all the time. Uh, later on, I just had a moment. I was just in a moment of prayer with the Lord and I didn't hear an audible voice or anything like that, but a thought struck my mind that just permeated my being. And like, I remember the hairs on my arms stood up. I felt like the Lord was saying, raise your children in such a way that if they were going to be the church in China, it wouldn't be any different. At the time, I had no prospects for marriage, so I certainly didn't have any prospects or any plans. (laughs) But I felt like that was something that really I was going to answer for someday. And so it started me on a journey where even though I kind of had some experiences that were already different, I started picking up every book I could find and reading all these books. A lot of people who maybe are listening to you, maybe they found some books before by, say, authors like Frank Viola, Watchman Nee, and others. And I just really wanted to study it in a way where it was like I was going to college for it or something. And so I did that. And over the years, I started putting in the practice and I've met with lots of different believers outside of a, if you will, regular, or as Richard says, institutional church context. And I've been on that journey for a lot of years now, like full on steam ahead, like about 16 years. But if you go back to when I was a young teenager, kind of like 30 at this point. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because even though Gunnar and I, you know, the specifics of our stories are, are a little different, but the heart of it's exactly the same. And I'm going to show my age here. I was a kind of a hippie kid in the Jesus movement, Um, you know, raised by a single mom who fell in with a bunch of Jesus freaks. Um, For any of your audience who doesn't know what that is, there was a movement in um, the 60s, which was before my time, but it continued into the 70s and kind of uh, kind of died out in the very early 80s. Um, and you could either argue that the Jesus movement was the hippie offshoot of Christian culture or the Christian offshoot of hippie culture. doesn't really matter to me. Basically, you just had a bunch of young people who got really passionate about the Lord and didn't have a lot of preconceived notions about what church should look like So they just kind of read their Bibles and took it at face value and said, well, let's do what these guys are doing. And that's a pretty dangerous thing. If you have a real zeal for the Lord 
and your only context of what church should be is what you read on the page because you read about the the early church in acts it was a bunch of people living together sharing all of their stuff worshiping daily doing radical things uh for jesus yeah and they just went oh well that's what a christian's supposed to be and so that was my introduction to not just Christianity, but the concept of church. It wasn't until we were until I was older and we started going to an institutional church, meaning a church in a building with a program with titles, et cetera. It wasn't until we started going to an institutional church that somebody asked me questions like, well, what church did you go to before this? And I didn't have an answer because I didn't know church was something that you go to. I thought it was something you were. So I couldn't answer that question. And so people were telling me things like, oh, so you didn't go to church before now. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's right. <laughs> you know, like right, right. technically, like yeah. 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 It's technically correct. So, so now I was, I was being, you know, uh, uh, complimented or commended for, for, oh yeah, you're getting involved in church now. I didn't really question it. Cause you know, I'm about 12 at this age, got very involved in institutional church became a rebellious teenager and kind of ran away from the Lord. But when I came back, I came back to institutional church. And because of the years that I'd lost running from the Lord, I thought, you know, I'm going to double down on, on serving the Lord. So I got super involved in church. Um, I was the poster child for volunteerism because I was singing on the worship team, working in the youth ministry, teaching Sunday school. Um, you know, I, I did graphic design. So I was doing all this volunteer work for my church, doing, graphic design and video editing, um, acting in the different school or the different church plays, like you name it. And I was involved in it. Um, I even gave up my vacation time at work to either volunteer at VBS or go on short-term mission trips. My wow. day-to-day -day -day life was if the, if the doors were open, I was in there. And even before I was like officially um, any sort of volunteer leader or anything, the church staff even gave me my own key to the church because they knew every day returning home from work, I would stop off at the church and make sure all the doors were locked. So I'd walk around and make sure all the doors were locked. And like I was, I was in that building every day. Wow. And I, I say this without any regret, by the way, uh, um, I had great experiences with the Lord there, made incredible friendships there, um, grew in a lot of spiritual maturity. Um, because I was so involved. Now, a lot of people are in institutional church, just kind of sitting in a pew and not growing. Um, but you know, if you're part of that small group, that's really, really active and involved in using your spiritual gifts, you can grow. And I did grow. Um, and it was really kind of a foregone conclusion, I guess, that I would eventually become a pastor. And that's what I did. And it was once I crossed that threshold, once I became a pastor that I realized, Oh, I'm responsible for what other people think about church. I don't want to have any assumptions. I don't, you know, I know I've, I've probably picked up some, some man-made traditions, some baggage that I probably need to set down. So I started praying this very innocent prayer, very stupidly, <laughs> because I, I didn't think much would come as a result, but I started praying that God would help me lay down all of my man-made ideas about church and that he would basically reteach me his idea of what church is supposed to be what ministry is supposed to be, what a pastor is supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And I started reading the Bible with fresh eyes. Again, not thinking much was going to happen. I just wanted to, you know, this was more of an accountability thing to just kind of make sure that I'd gone through the process. And I didn't know that this was radically going to 
going to change the way that I, I understood church because I kept running into all these scriptures that seemed to contradict what we were doing on Sunday morning. Right. You know, you know, there's, there's the verse that talks about whenever you get together, each one has a hymn or a song, uh, each one has a song, a revelation, a tongue and interpretation, et cetera. Well, when we get together, it's 600 people listening to one guy talk. Yeah. And so, so I had to start going to the other leaders and saying, Hey, help me make sense of this. Cause, cause I keep reading these scriptures that seem to contradict what we're doing. And so it became this back and forth process, but I actually started the process saying, Hey, can you fix me? Cause I'm like, well, I must be reading this wrong. Cause I know we're doing church, right? Right. Right. Mm. And then I eventually reached a crisis where I went, I can't stand here in good conscience and preach sermons every week when I'm not sure if I'm even supposed to be doing this. And so that kind of started the journey out of institutional church searching for something that I thought was more biblical and more authentic, which just coincidentally happened to look like what I'd come out of when I was a kid, you know, a bunch of people just living as church together. Uh, and so that became kind of a journey looking for that. And then I eventually started sharing about it online and it, you know, turned into a series of animated explainer videos. And then the book, uh, the book birth, the podcast that you mentioned did an online comic book and then eventually a Ted talk. And so now there's all this, stuff out there that I've produced and it's all free by the way, except the book. And there will be a free version of the book coming out uh, very shortly. So I'm not selling anything. I just want to get this message out, especially to connect with the millions of people who are currently leaving the institutional church because that model of church no longer resonates with them. But a lot of people don't know there's an alternative. So they're being told if you walk away from this thing, you're walking away from the body of Christ. And that's right. not true. Right. Or at least it's not necessarily true. It doesn't have to be true. Yeah, I, I remember, Richard, years ago, you were the church anarchist. That was, <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember those years ago. I was like, man, who is this guy? And yeah, no, without without the proper context, it, it can seem antagonistic. But when you realize it's like, no, we're not saying, like, this is what I'll say to people who I know personally who are actually antagonistic towards church and the things of God. I say, well, we could sit around all day and talk about what the quote unquote church is not doing, but what do you feel yeah. like the Lord is doing? And those are the yes. questions that they, that they you know, can't answer because I don't really think it's about telling people, oh, church is not this, church is not that. Well, anything, if you want to scrutinize it, is not what it says that it's supposed to be. But I think that the, you know, the, the heart of what you're saying is really finding out what the Lord is doing and the direction mm -hmm. that he wants us all to go is, is really key. Yeah, and I don't actually have a problem with people who are still in a season where the only things they can articulate are the things that are wrong, because there is a deconstruction that has to happen before God can really replace that with his vision, because we've the thing that we've built up in our minds is really what the Bible calls a stronghold. You know, it's just precept upon precept of man-made ideas, and it has to come down. It has to be deconstructed. But you're absolutely right that a lot of people that are in that phase, because all they're doing is saying, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. They can either be perceived as critical or let's just be honest, a lot of them are in a, in a negative place. Right. You know, they've been hurt by church. Uh, they're angry. They feel like they've been ripped off. Like when you start to see like, wow, this, this isn't as scriptural as I was told, you start to feel like cheated, uh, like, like somebody duped you. Uh, there's a lot of blaming pastors that I see where people are like, you know, as if, as if that guy 
is somehow in on this conspiracy where he knows, but he's just, you know, he's believing one thing, but telling you another. And that's not the case. That pastor was brought up in this same man-made institutional model that you were. And, and most of the pastors I know are just trying to serve the Lord with a pure heart, working with the tools that they've been given. They didn't invent this thing. I mean, it took 1700 years to get here. So they're just working within the framework that they inherited, trying to love Jesus, trying to serve people. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of celebrity pastors that do some pretty scandalous stuff. Um, and there's, you know, that, that small contingent that, you know, make the news uh, that are terrible people. But that's not the bulk of pastors out there slaving in the trenches because these guys don't get paid enough. Um, they definitely um, get torn down a lot, you know, because uh, they're the first ones to get praise or blame. And most of the time it's blame. So these guys aren't doing it to get rich. Uh, you know, they're not doing it to build a little kingdom. They really are, are serving the Lord. Um, and that's, so that's another thing is, is in my journey, I had to get to a place where everything wasn't anti anymore. Cause you can't define yourself by what you're not. Right. Exactly. So I had to get past the place of being just bitter and critical. And I'm so glad my book took 15 years to write. And I'm so glad I didn't publish it earlier because the tone of it honestly would have been adversarial and critical and, and maybe a bit mean spirited. And, you know, God had to continue to work in me to get to a place where, you know, I just have a a more mature view of things than that. And I'll be honest, and he's going to be embarrassed that I say this. A lot of that was, uh, was hanging out with Gunner. Because if you want to find somebody that just has no division in his heart, no criticism toward people, whether they're in house church, institutional church, whatever, he just doesn't care. If you're a believer, you're in the family of Jesus and Gunner like wants to fellowship with you and call you brother and sister. So hanging out with Gunner uh, was actually really, really good for me. And that's one of the reasons I was like, you know, we, if I'm going to do a podcast, we need to do it together because I don't want to lapse back into any sort of negativity and you can't be negative hanging out with Gunner. He's just not going to let it happen. (laughs) Now, the one thing that I wanted to ask you, Richard, uh, during your process where you feel like you uh, prayed that innocent prayer for the Lord to kind of shift your heart. And when you actually realized what the institutional institutional church was representing, you know, what type of a time period did that take you to kind of transition away from that kind of mindset? Uh, well, for me, <clears throat> for me, it was a process because it started when I was a pastor, started having questions, thought, okay, well, I can't stand here in good conscience and keep preaching and teaching if I'm conflicted. So I stepped down from being a pastor, but I kept going to church, did that for a little while and then went, well, it's kind of awkward being in the same church where I was one of the pastors. I wasn't the senior pastor, but I was on staff as a pastor. I'm like, this is a little bit weird especially because I can't give people a good answer for why I'm doing what I'm doing. So now people are speculating, like, was he stealing money out of the cookie jar? <laughs> like, you know, like, 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 you know, like what's going on with this mm-hmm. guy. So I was like, all right, I need to take a break. So I, I went to another church for about a year and it was a really big mega church. Uh, and mega churches are great because you can totally hide. You can in hide it though. I'll give that the best place <laughs> to hide. Yeah. Just count it is. The it is. And, and if you're still in that, that mindset of attending church, is your obligation, man, you can, you can check off a box really easily in a mega church. Cause you can sit in the back. They'll give you like gourmet coffee and your danishes and you know, you can, <laughs> right. You, you Better can, than what you, you can even, get at home. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you don't even have to be in the same room as the pastor. Cause they have the satellite rooms with the, the wow. television sets, you know, so you, you can be really kind of removed from the action. 
and go, oh, well, I went to church today. I heard a good message. I, you know, checked off that box. So I did that for about a year just to kind of recover, went back to the church where I had pastored, did that a couple more years. And then finally reached the point where I just had to tell the staff, like, look, because at this point I was starting to be, be able to articulate some of my criticisms. Mm. And I was like, I just don't think what we're doing is right. And man, you talk about fallout. Um, I had a lot of people disown me. A lot of people say I was a heretic. I had relationships that, you know, like these guys had known me for decades and, and they were just writing me off. Uh, and, and I don't want to say that. I don't want to frame that in a way that they are the bad guys. Cause you need to understand they love me. And from their point of view, I was rejecting the church and walking away. So a lot of what seemed like even the things they did that seemed kind of mean were really just coming from a place of broken heartedness. Right. You know, so, you know, you gotta be fair. I mean, it's like if you're, if your kids walked away from the faith, you know, like how would you feel? You'd be broken hearted and it might not come out the best way. And so that's kind of what they were dealing with. But yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was a persona non grata for a while there and very much alone in the wilderness, just trying to figure this stuff out. I mean, a lot of it was just me and the Lord and my immediate household, just trying to figure some things out. And uh, it was a very tough process, but man, I'm telling you, uh, the spiritual desert is probably the best training ground uh, for a real mature spiritual life. Uh, We try really hard to avoid it, and the institutional church is actually made, designed in such a way as to make sure you never encounter it. Uh, but it can be the best thing in the world. So even though it was a painful process, it was one of the most maturing and fruitful processes I ever went through. Uh, But that's a long way of answering your question and saying there wasn't like one moment Mm -hmm. where it was like the flip of a switch. It was just this long process, kind of like turning coal into a diamond. It's just Mm -hmm. this long, painful process. Oh, so you're saying you're the, you're the diamond. You're not the... <laughs> I mean, if, if that's how you want to interpret that. I know you were fishing for compliments earlier, so we'll we'll give you oh, that one. Oh, there yeah. You go. yeah. <laughs> I, I started the interview doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and so that, that, that leads me to a, a, a really good question because, you know, for those of you listening, one of the things that I really personally um, got when even before I reached out to him, I just felt like, you know, Gunnar and Richard were of the same spirit. And, you know, one of the scriptures that, that talks about, you know, knowing those who labor among you and, you know, even n- not even knowing these guys personally, just feeling that and sort of reaching out and then finding out that we know all these same people um, is just kind of the Lord kind of validating, you know, what I kind of felt like he was directing us in. So what I wanted to ask you guys and, you know, feel as, uh, share as much as you feel comfortable sharing is what do you do now? You know, for though, I mean, because a lot of people say, okay, I'm going to leave a church or go through the desert. But what is sort of, you know, the the land of milk and honey, so to speak? What is that, you know, what is <laughs> that yeah, sweet what's spot? Yeah, the end game? What is, so what um, are some of the things that you guys do now in, in terms of fellowshipping, um, in terms of gathering? What are some of the things that you guys do now, other than hanging what? out with us on the podcast? Let me jump real quick. Yeah, Richard, I was going to say, yeah. I, I would love yeah, to jump. Yeah, because I'm, I'm all about that milk and honey. So <laughs> technically speaking, when Israel had to go take the promised land, what's of real interest to me is that it isn't like they got there and they just stayed in their homes. They had to go help one another. All the different tribes had to go help one another take the promised land. They didn't go settle their town until the nation of God as a whole came together and took all the ground together. And so... 
I know you gentlemen have met like Henry Hahn recently, who I, I just love it when I ran into Henry. Because when I met Henry, I told him something that I wanted to run something by him. I said, I think most of Western Christianity that I've experienced is missing the X on the map. And the X on the map in the kingdom of God is that we would be one in Jesus Christ. And so as it's influenced us is I'm all about when we can have home meetings and get together, everybody sharing, like I'm really passionate about that. But in the big picture scale, I'm interested in meeting all different kinds of believers from all different walks of life. And of course, as we all know, there's even amongst believers, there's all kind of vitriol on social media and in real life over stuff that I'm just like, you know, I might have an opinion on, but I'm not really interested in fighting with people. I'd rather celebrate what we have in Christ together. Right. And I'm really, so lately I've been working on building intentional bridges to do that. Like originally I'm from Portland, Oregon, and Oregon is the most unchurched state in the United States. So the least amount of people want to go wow. and blah, blah, blah. Not a lot of believers around there, relatively speaking to Nashville. When I moved here, it's like moving to another country, like another first world country, I guess, because <laughs> like all this sudden there's all these believers. And so like on a practical level right now, I, I just guarantee you probably half my believers I mean, half my neighbors, like literal neighborhood neighbors are believers. They all go to like radically different churches. So we've been inviting different believers over, not even trying to talk them into being like a home church or an organic church or anything, but just like our, our older couple, the walkers next door, we know they have a faith in Jesus Christ. We kind of learn that quickly. And they're an older couple. They're in their seventies. And my wife and I were in our, uh, well, I'm in my forties. My wife hasn't gotten there yet. And we just sat down with them and go, I'm in that, I'm in that boat too, Gunner. Oh yeah, a testimony in Jesus and <laughs> shares about how you met and how you walked out your life and just creating bonds like that, sharing our commonality in Christ uh, moving forward. So lately for me, that's been of critical importance. Like all this other stuff is great because I don't know if we'll ever go down that road, but also in my walk in like 30 some years on and off of being in organic church life, some of that can be just as institutional messed up oh, yeah. at times as, as the institution. <laughs> So I've really been like kind of pressing into that. And that key is getting even home church believers specifically to go back to what I originally shared is that I believe if we're going to go to the land of milk and honey, we got to not just look at our little groups, but look at the big group of God and saying, is God calling me to do anything right now to help everybody take this land of milk and honey? Hmm. Not just be isolated. That's good. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. Cause I do know some brothers who that's why I kind of, uh, I I pull away from saying what I do is house church because I like the point you just brought up was really good. Like I know people who quote unquote run house churches and they run it just like a church pulpit. I mean, it's a, it's a whole, there's one next door to me. Wow. Uh, I'm not kidding. There, there was a guy who moved into our neighborhood. My wife is the, is the social one. Um, yeah. I'll get on, talk to people on a podcast, but other than that, I hide. Um, so she goes out and meets, she goes out and meets the new neighbors and she's like, Oh, I just met this guy who got the house next door. Guess what? I'm like what? She walked into his living room and he's like, so here's my pulpit. And he's got chairs and rows. He's got like ferns on either side of the pulpit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally like, Hey, I'm going to start a church. And, wow. and I was like, please don't tell him what I do. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Yeah, I know, because it's like sometimes when you talk to people, because, you know, just as humans, we want a point of reference, they'll say, oh, oh, you run a house church. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't run a house church. 
I meet with people in my home. We gather. We fellowship. We have you know we break bread. Yeah, but it is not that. Yeah, there because I know a couple people personally who that is the testimony. Like you walk in, there's the aisle. There's one brother I'm thinking of right now. I don't want to put his name out there, but I'm thinking of it. It's just like that, like what you just described. Yeah, right. yeah. And and let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Yeah. So you've got people, the other believers, you get together, you fellowship, you break bread, like you mentioned. Do you feel um, either you or, or are there people in your group or community that kind of feel like this pressure or this expectation that, hey, we're supposed to do more than just hang out? And so there's this, this kind of weird thing between, you know, what's natural, which is like fellowship. And then there's the, all these expectations of, well, did we have a time of prayer? Did we, you know, did, did we, you know, have, have these things that, that we, we feel like we're supposed to be doing in a quote unquote gathering, you may not call it a service, but the, whenever you get together, each one is supposed to do these things. Do you feel like there's an expectation obligation or are the people you with just comfortable, just let's hang out, let's have a meal, let's watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> like, like, where are you on that spectrum? You know, that's, I'm, that, that's funny that you asked that because I'm usually that person that wrestles with that. Like before anybody else will jump to it, like I'll wrestle. I'll say, yeah, should we, should we do communion this week? Should we, you know... Should we pray? Should we, you know, what what should we do, Lord? I, I don't want to just get in because I mean, yeah, you, you'll get in, and just n- in the the natural flow of things, talking about the scripture, talking about what the you know what the things that the Lord is showing you will come up naturally, but kind of going to the more ceremonial aspects. Me personally, I'm that person who wrestles with those things, and so sometimes I'll say, all right, well. Let me just ask a couple. Hey, you guys want to share what's on your heart this week rather than letting it come up naturally? I'll email somebody. Hey, you mind sharing on this this week when we get together? You mind talking about this? Because I don't want to let it go too long where, you know, maybe it just becomes like a social club um, because no one's kind of doing anything. So now you're right. We just get around and watch Netflix and eat and talk about football or something like that. Um, But even though we're getting together and it is informal and, it, and we, we want it to be a family atmosphere, we still want to keep it in, you know, intentional. And you still want to keep the, the focus on our hearts kind of growing together as one, mm-hmm. you know, as, as one community, as one people. So me personally, because I'm, I'm more introspective, I wrestle with that stuff a lot. Um, I do too. And, and try to bring it to the forefront before I, I let things go too far. Yeah, I do. I do too. Because when I read the scriptures, there's all this intentionality where, where Paul is talking about, you know, like literally he he's saying things like, like strategize ways that we can stir one another up. Like, like he's like, Paul uses very intentional language. It's like, you know, take every thought captive. Like, like he's got this language of intentionality where it's like, you know, um, you know, look for opportunities, um, you know, to just kind of let the, let the spirit invade, um, you know, our conversations, our life, everything. But because we've been institutionalized, I think we have like check boxes where if a certain number of things don't happen every time we get together, or if we go too many times getting together without some of these things happening, it's like a scorecard, right. you know, but one of the criticisms I hear all the time is, well, you know, a bunch of Christians just hanging out at Starbucks is not church. Wow. And I get what they're saying, 
I get the heart of what they're saying. And, and I totally agree. It's like, we're not supposed to become complacent. You know, the writer of Hebrews condemned that church for still being spiritual babies. It's like, you know, the writer mm-hmm. said, by now you should all be teachers and look at you, you guys, you know, you still need spiritual milk. Right. So the writer's chastising them for just kind of sitting on their butts, you know, listening to sermons or whatever they were doing. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. But I also know there's a huge lie in the assumption that that, that that is based on. When somebody says a bunch of Christians just hanging out at Starbucks is not church is a lie because Christians are the church. Right. Yeah. So, so on a certain level, yeah, it's church. <laughs> like wherever Christians are, whatever they're doing, I'm not saying it's commendable. I'm not saying you would go now, now that's, that's a great church, you know, like, like they get together and man, they can binge Netflix, like nobody's business. Like, like that's all they do. Great. I, I, I get that there's something there to be criticized, but what we do is we attack each other's identity where we say, because you're not, you're not meeting my expectations. You're not even part of the church. And we don't even realize we're doing that. And Paul talks about, you can't even do that. Like if you yourself say, well, I'm removing myself from the body, you know, that whole thing about, well, because I'm a, I'm a foot and I'm not a hand or I'm, I'm an ear and I'm not an eye. I'm not part of the body. All right, folks. So that was the first part of our unchurching episode with Richard Jacobson and Gunnar Falk, um, two brothers from the Nashville area who kind of building, building community in a different way in, in light of what the institutional church has kind of represented so we we do thank you all for listening and there will be a part two of our discussion and conversation with Gunnar and richard um on the next episode but as always you know we will continue to build our father's kingdom one house at a time on the house to house podcast thank you again for listening bye bye Think it's that simple, though this all stinks show And your wrinkles wrapped up in cute I live in an institution, now that's some real talk Live right the execution, now that's some real walk Stay cool, cause outside my dude is real hot Got bodies outlined out here in real chalk I left an institution, now that's some real talk Live right the execution, now that's some real walk Stay cool, cause outside my dude is real hot Got bodies outlined out here in real chalk I left the institution, real talk Living right, the execution, real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body outlined and chalk I left the institution, real talk Living right, the execution, real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body outlined and chalk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside Stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot and stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside And get your body outlined and chalk